Today's scripture passage is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. We are going to conclude our long series on the Sermon on the Mount uh, over the next two Sundays. And Jesus now, in this passage, is concluding his famous Sermon on the Mount with, with the last of three warnings, three tests, that he gives his listeners in order to gauge whether they're understanding what he said. We had, we had seen last week how in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And what we understood from that is that for the Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, your orthodoxy is never enough. Orthopraxy must follow. Our orthodoxy must give birth to orthopraxy. We can't just believe the right stuff. We've got to do the right stuff, according to Jesus. As James said, faith apart from works is dead. If you're not a Christian and you're joining us today and you're listening in, I really hope that you'll take Jesus seriously because what he's saying has everything to do with the status of your eternity. He's not just offering you advice and counsel for now. He is telling you your very life from an eternal perspective is at stake. And so he opens up this famous parable of the two builders in verse 24 by saying these words, everyone then, and when he says then, he means everything I've said so far in this Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, and, and I'll, I'll move on, uh, we'll, we'll look at the rest of the passage in a, little, in a little bit, but that phrase is important. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, these words of mine, you see what Jesus did? He's saying that the will of God and my words are the same. The will of God and the words of Jesus Christ are the same. He was unique utterly unique as a teacher, as a prophet, as a leader in human history. There's no one like Jesus who basically said, the will of the Creator and the words coming out of my mouth are the very same truth. He had said to us in last week's, a couple of weeks ago, he had said to us that uh, really there's only one true path and I am that path. And now he's saying there is only one sure foundation. He basically says to us, your life is like a building. Think of a building, think of a house, think of a structure. It's only as stable and durable and lasting as its foundation. A structure is only as good as its foundation. So despite what other people hear you say, despite what other people see you doing or accomplishing in your life, you have to ask yourself the question Jesus is asking you to ask yourself, Despite what you say, despite what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish, what is beneath it all? What is supporting all of that, my friend? What is supporting you?
What I hope you're going to see today is that only what you build on Christ will endure. Only what you build for Jesus will endure. And I want to address this famous parable of the two builders um, in three ways. Really, it's a story about wisdom. And it's also a story about foolishness. And I think finally, it is a story about grace. The parable of the two builders is a story about wisdom. It's a story about folly. And finally, it's a story about the grace of God. Because he's giving us an opportunity here to choose between wisdom and foolishness. So the parable of the two builders is a story about wisdom, the wisdom of laying the right foundation. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so Jesus says in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let's just for a second think about building. A wise builder is, is first going to consider the cost of building. He's going to consider the cost seriously and very carefully. He's also going to study the environment where he wants to build. And he's going to assess the risks of building there. Now, most of us are not professional builders, but we can imagine how critical preparation is for building a house or the apartment in which you live. Or think of a suspension bridge or a skyscraper or a famous monument. Preparation is key. And even though most of us are not builders, most of us have had to buy a car, especially a used car. Think about buying a car. You have to start asking yourself questions. Is it affordable? Can my, bud can my budget manage uh, the expense of this car? Is this a reliable car? Is it spacious? Will it fit me and my stuff? Will it fit my family? Will it fit my pets? Uh, can I find any reviews about this car? Do I know anybody who has this car and can tell me what it's been like to drive it and to take care of it? So in the same way, uh, a wise builder gathers facts and receives counsel from other experts. A wise builder even considers future contingencies. Right? They're, they're not just thinking in the moment. They're building for the future. A wise builder will ask himself the question, uh, is there a river here? And does it flood? Um, or if someone is building near the ocean, they have to ask the question, how far in will the tide come? Or what is the average wind velocity for this area? And finding answers to these questions, the answers get factored in to the building blueprint. Okay, so, so foundations, and especially for the ancient builder, foundations are costly. Foundations are laborious and even dangerous because you have to dig down. But foundations are necessary for stability and for longevity. If, if you want the structure to last, the foundation is crucial. And so Jesus says in verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So Jesus here gives us a picture of how those who are blessed, according to the Sermon on the Mount, 
those who are blessed, those who are flourishing, how they survive life's trials and how they are going to survive the coming judgment. They're not insulated from trouble. Have you noticed that? The storms still come and impact them, but they are preserved through it all. Why? Well, because Jesus says in verse 24, because they have heard these words of mine and they have done them. They have heard and believed what I am saying and they have equally put these words into practice. And so what has Jesus been saying throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount? Here's a very brief recap. Those who are blessed, those who are flourishing according to Jesus, those who live by the priorities of his kingdom, they channel their anger. They channel their anger productively. They pursue sexual purity. They honor their word. They're consistent people. They forgive. They don't retaliate. They love and serve their enemies. They aren't obsessed with materialism, but they hunger and thirst for righteousness. They seek, above all other things, the kingdom of God and its priorities. And Jesus has told us that their religion and their good deeds are for God and not for show. And really, in all of these ways, Jesus is saying that their righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Their righteousness is greater than any other type of human righteousness because it is founded on Jesus's wisdom. It is founded on the person who Jesus truly is. That's the greater righteousness that you need to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's all bound up in Jesus's words and doing them. So Jesus is saying, Anybody is wise. Anybody is wise who grounds their life on my teaching. And the proof of this wisdom is that the storms come, life rages, but they're still standing. You may look and feel harassed, right? The storm ends, you may have to get out there and repair the gutters. You may have two two inches of standing water in your basement but the structure is standing. As David said in Psalm 62, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. But like any master storyteller, and Jesus was a great storyteller, he injects tension into the parable by painting contrast. Because it's not just a story about wisdom, it's also a story about foolishness. The folly of laying the wrong foundation, or or laying no foundation at all. Proverbs 1 verse 7 also says, not only is is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge, but, but that fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so Jesus says in verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. About 70 years ago, David Martin Lloyd-Jones remarked how similar both of these builders and their houses appear to be from above the ground. Same circumstance, same environment, they both look the same and they both want the same things and they do the same things, they build structures. But he said what is fundamentally different 
about the two builders is their foundations. The things that are unseen. That is how they are fundamentally different from beneath the surface, Jesus says. Now, to the modern reader, our obvious objection is, hey, what, you know, what kind of an idiot would, would build a structure on sand? But we're thinking beach sand, or we're thinking desert sand. That's not what Jesus is talking about. If you look at the parallel passage in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6, verse 49, Jesus puts it this way. Uh, he describes a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. That's really what he's getting at here. The scholar Kenneth Bailey, who spent a lot of time in the Middle East, uh, he, he wrote this book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. I really recommend that you, you have this as a resource. And Kenneth Bailey says that, that Palestinian soil is rich in clay. There's clay everywhere. And clay appears hard and stable in the dry summer months. But it gets muddy in the winter because winter is the rain season in the Middle East. And so if an ancient builder wanted to save time and wanted to cut costs and wanted to minimize the risks and danger for him and his workers, he wouldn't dig down to the bedrock. He'd build the structure on the dry clay which seemed at the time to be solid. But eventually, the winter rains came. And with the rains, the river swelled up. And as the river swelled up, the clay in the ground softened. And as the clay softened, the walls began to buckle. And the house fell. So the foolish builder really is hasty. This is a hasty person who is unteachable. This is an unteachable person who considers only the present, is only concerned with what's going on right now, with immediate results, is only concerned with appearances. The foolish builder in a relational sense now, in a social sense, is, is reactive. The foolish builder succumbs to the demands of other people. The foolish builder is largely governed by social pressure and responds according to that. And so Jesus says in verse 27, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus is saying here, anybody is foolish. Anybody is foolish who doesn't ground their lives on my teaching. So really, what Jesus is offering his listeners here at the end of his sermon is an opportunity to rebuild. Really, what the Christian life is, if you're following Jesus or if, you, if you're thinking about following Jesus, following Jesus is really all about rebuilding, a lifelong process of rebuilding. The New Testament authors called this repentance, faith that leads to repentance. Jesus offers you an opportunity to rebuild a foundation that's based on him, a Christ-based foundation for your life, and not only for your life personally, but for your sphere of influence, any environment in which you find yourself, an opportunity to rebuild it based upon him and his truth. Every endeavor in your life, every resource you have available to yourself, 
every relationship you're in, among every community or people group or subgroup you find yourself in, any social structure, any system, you have the opportunity to rebuild in the name of Jesus, based upon Jesus' priorities. Those who are blessed, those who, according to Jesus, are flourishing, they rebuild on the foundation that he has already provided. Now, before you say, oh, I've done that, let me clarify. When, when you build your Christianity on top of what is already there, that's when you and I get ourselves into trouble. That is when the church, Christians in every century, in every part of the globe, that is when the church and Christians get themselves into trouble. When we try to build our Christianity on top of whatever is already set in place as foundational in society or in our lives. When you try and build your Christianity on top of a political superstructure, foundation that is already in place, you've got problems. Whenever you try and build your Christianity on top of a cause or a movement that is already foundational, whenever you try to build your Christianity on top of cultural influences, or personally speaking, when you try and build your Christianity on top of your identity, your personality and temperament, your family, your career, your personal goals and dreams, that's when we get into trouble. Because it looks like Christianity above the ground. But the foundation is something else. The foundation cannot support, cannot support what truly is Christian, what truly is Christ-centered. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And as I remember hearing that old gospel song, on Christ the rock you must stand, for the ground where you are standing is nothing but sinking sand. Only what you do for Jesus Christ will last. Jesus is saying this way of building your life, you built, trying to build my words and my priorities on top of what you've already laid for yourself, what other people, what the world, what the culture has laid for you is foolishness. Because that foundation cannot support the weight of this life's problems the storms of this life, the worries of this life, the failures, the sicknesses, the depressions, the, the, the distrust and the conflicts of this life, the world and its problems. Foundation you've built cannot support all of this. And the foundation you have built for yourself or the foundation you have allowed others' systems to build for you, my friend, cannot support the weight of your sin your rebellious heart against your creator. My friend, the house will come down. It will come down, and if it doesn't come down in the storms of this life, the house will come down in final judgment when you stand before Jesus and he asks you, have you known me? Have you done all that I said to do? 
But the good news is that this is not simply a story about wisdom and a story about foolishness. This is a story about the grace of God because it shows us that Jesus himself has laid the foundation. When we look at this parable in the context of the entire Sermon on the Mount, we see that Jesus has laid the foundation that we need. Going back many, many centuries before Jesus Christ, after the Ark of the Covenant uh, disappeared, uh, nobody really knows what happened to the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible doesn't specifically say. Uh, Some historians um, have opinions. But after the Ark of the Covenant, which, which was placed in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem, after the Ark of the Covenant disappeared, the Jews put in its place what was called a foundation stone. It was a stone that rested three, three finger widths above the surface of the floor in the Holy of Holies. And this foundation stone, like the Ark of the Covenant before it, for for the Jewish people, this was the center of the world. This stone, which like the Ark before it, represented God's presence and God's word in the midst of his people. And while, while the people of Judah and Jerusalem had made a very unwise alliance with the nation of Egypt in order to protect themselves against the coming Assyrian Empire, uh, God was very displeased with their alliance and, and he called it a false foundation. And he said to the people of Jerusalem through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Another way of saying that is whoever believes will not panic. Whoever believes in the foundation that God alone has laid will not become a foolish builder who builds for their life, who builds for their culture, a hasty structure that cannot withstand the storms of life. And then many, many centuries later, after learning from Jesus himself, the Apostle Peter would write a letter to a diverse church of Jews and Gentiles, of poor and rich, of slaves and free people. And he would say to them all, as you come to Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And see, now Peter takes Isaiah's words and and he reinterprets them in light of Jesus. He says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, any other foundation, any other person or leader, any philosophy or worldview, any agenda, any goal, whether it's personal or whether it's corporate, anything else will fail. History has proven that. The future will prove it also. But the grace, the grace of God is this that Jesus Christ, 
who is the presence of God and the word of God among us, Jesus Christ, was crushed. He was crushed beneath the weight of a falling house. A falling house that you built yourself, a falling house that I built myself, a falling house that human government and human invention has built again and again. And Jesus, not you, this is where the grace of God comes in. Jesus was crushed beneath the weight of your falling house, not you. That is grace, that you are not crushed underneath the sinful system that you have built up in your life around a false foundation. Jesus was crushed by it when he bore that beam on a Roman cross and died for your sins and for mine. The true master builder was crushed beneath the weight of the world's house that collapsed all around him so that you and I would not have to be crushed by the weight of our foolishness. And now the risen Jesus, by the reconciliation he accomplished with his blood as he entered into the Holy of Holies and sacrificed himself for you, for me, for the world's reconciliation, Jesus has laid a foundation that can support it all. There is no weight There is no weight in the human experience, large or small, that the blood and death and resurrection of Jesus, the true righteous one, cannot support. And therefore, only what you build in him will last. Only what you build on Jesus will last. Only what you build for him will endure. And friend, first... The rebuilding effort, it must happen within you. That's where it's got to start. If you've been listening to everything in Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount tells us that the rebuilding must begin with you, with me. It must happen with you, and then the rebuilding can happen around you. The rebuilding must happen within us as a church. The the rebuilding must begin within the people of God if this rebuilding on the right foundation is going to happen in culture, in society, and in the world. And I'll conclude with the words of the old hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the words of Jesus Christ offering us a gracious choice 
to build wisely and not foolishly, to build upon his truth, to build upon him and nothing else. Forgive us for when we build and because we have built entire systems, complex, maybe beautiful, maybe impressive, maybe even zealous and compassionate, but nonetheless structures that cannot stand because the foundation is suspect, because the foundation is hasty, because the foundation is unwise, because the foundation is not you. Oh, Father, we repent. Help us to rebuild. Thank you that Jesus laid the foundation with his blood, with his very life, and with his resurrection. And give us the wisdom and give us the humility to rebuild on him alone. Help us, help my friends, in Jesus' name alone. Amen.